Good afternoon, everybody. This is Austin Smelly, your host of Beyond the Well. This is episode nine we're getting into. Pretty excited about it. Last week, we had a fantastic episode. This week, we're doing something a little bit different, sort of like I did a few episodes back with a buddy of mine, Christian Viegas, who I've experienced a lot of things with. This is someone else who I've had quite a few experiences with, too. She's going to be a laid-back conversation about meditation, esoteric principles, creativity, all things of that sort. You go ahead and introduce yourself. Hey, guys. My name is Emmanuel. Um, thank you, Austin, again for having me on Beyond the Well once again. I think I did an episode with you early on in the season. Um, I'm the EIC of the Chafee Breezes newspaper this semester. I also run a podcast on the side called Broke Boys, uh, currently on hiatus, but it shall be dropping again soon. You have my number. Let's do it. Yeah, I'm down. This Say is no like, lies. <laughs> yeah, I think we. I had you on the very first episode when we kicked this thing off. We talked a little bit about Satanism and just the, the modern occult, and then we talked about our experiences at the Santa Marte temples. Yeah, the, and then yeah. our trip in LA, which was, was which was which was a trip. Literally, that was a good one. That was <laughs> yeah. a good one. See, that's I kind of want to pride myself on. Is like you you hang out with guys like me or guys like I know like. Mm -hmm you're going to have some weird experiences. Like things are just going to happen to you that wouldn't have happened to you otherwise. Yeah. And <laughs> honestly, it's a little creepy because we, we, we've, we've talked about it prior, prior to going. And we were talking about the instances that create once you fulfill that and you show the intention of going. And I think we were walking around uh, later at night that, that same day at night, mm -hmm. we were walking around by the L. Ron Hubbard exhibit. And sure enough, people kept approaching us. Sure I'm enough, talking about. people kept wanting to talk to us. And then I didn't tell you that. I didn't. I don't think I mentioned that at you all. You did not. But it kind of like freaked me out. It was kind of. It was. It was. It was a little satisfying because it's like that. You know that saying, "What you put out will attract people." The energy you put out attracts people. Yeah. Sure enough, it did, and kind of liked it. Yeah. A little. A little. La uh, laws of attraction <laughs> and things like that. That's one of the things. Like, just to kind of kick things off and get going. We'll talk about one of my favorite talks topics to speak on: archetypes. It's like if, mm. especially with over the past couple months, like kind of the the break that this. Sh this show had too. It was, I spent a lot of time over the summer putting things together, starting up a social media page for it and trying to maintain engagements and just figuring things out and learning things as you go along. Once you kick that creative process up and you keep it going, it's important to keep the momentum going because if you let things drop, it'll all fall apart. But if that does happen, if you do find yourself burnt out, which I can't say I found myself burnt out, but it was just kind of a lack of direction. I wasn't too sure where I wanted to go. wasn't too sure what I wanted to do with it. You know, me being a younger guy with very little experience in regards to building a brand or a business or anything like that. You but, think that was a little daunting at first? Yeah, it was definitely a little daunting. Like what really kicked it off for me was when I purchased the uh, domain for this, for the, like, this, this is podcast. Big stats right this here. is big boy stuff, right here. It was one of the things like it was already real to me mm -hmm. because like I spoke on this last week um, when I spoke about spoke to Saint Saturday about the concept like it was something that nicholas shrek said that once you someone asked him about making music how do you do it how do you go about doing it he said i don't make the song the song allows me to be a vehicle that the song makes itself through basically i am not the creator of this song the song manifested itself through me and i try to take an esoteric view on things because yeah. i knew that once you start something from a purely magical organics like standpoint, that process will keep up and pick up its own momentum as things go along as it did with, you know, when I had Paul Wagner on here, when I had Pat Dugan, I met up with the guy in person and gave me a tattoo to kind of memorialize the whole event, <laughs> crazy stuff. And that itself made it real. So I wasn't, it wasn't sort of like, Oh, this thing's actually real now. Like I have to start taking it seriously. 
I took it too seriously and it sort of lent to me not bur- like being burnt out on the process of creating or having conversations because that's what this whole thing is about. But at the same time, I found myself in this position like I'm not cre- I'm not creatively where I should be. My creativity is what's being burnt out right now. So that's burning everything else up like what you just mentioned a little while ago with the forest fire. Yeah, we were actually talking about how like well, he was explaining to me about like the creativity process and how you kind of it's more magical and you kind of let it just let it simmer. Uh, oh, I was, I was about to say that in Spanish right now. Just let it grow. Uh, uh, you <laughs> yeah. can say that. I just yeah, don't understand like, you. Yeah. Uh, you just kind of let it grow. And I was explaining to him that when creativity kind of dies, at least on my end, it feels like a forest fire. Just because in order for you to grow as an artist, you have to burn pieces of yourself so you can set a firm ground and grow something new. You have nutrients to grow. But I think that when you let that creativity just stump you too long, the fire goes out of control and it burns everything and anything that you've imagined, even past projects that you've had planned. Um, I was explaining to Austin earlier that because uh, he had picked up on my like indecision of what I want to do and what I want to complete, essentially like my goal or my direction. And, you know, essentially he's not wrong. Um, and it had to do with that. It had to do with I let myself get burned out. Uh, I let my creativity get stumped and I didn't do anything to stop it. Um, and hearing him, hearing him like talk about how creativity is more of a magical thing that comes into you. It really got me thinking because it essentially takes the weight. It takes the weight off of your shoulders when it comes to creativity. Cause you stress so much cause you care. You care so much about what you produce, how it comes out, whether or not it's original. And I think that's the biggest thing. It's whether or not it's original. And I think you mentioned something about that earlier. It's like it doesn't an artist isn't somebody who makes something original. An artist isn't somebody who created this divine idea like Picasso or Michelangelo. An artist is somebody who allows himself to be creative, allows that creativity through them. I think it takes a lot of the stress out of it because like one of the things that I had to draw myself back in and really focus myself and get myself to to think like why am i doing this and i it hit me last week when i was recording with saint saturday the excellent conversation i'll refer to that multiple times because that dude's great but <laughs> a when one. it when, a one when it comes down to it one of the things that he said was like if you and it's a basic thing it's one of those things like if anybody who's creative knows this anybody who's pursuing if you're a photographer a filmmaker musician whatever you understand that you were doing this why because it's your passion because you love doing it because Doing this is your way of connecting with the world around you. It's a way of connecting with yourself, being a better you. The, the reasons are endless. Baseline, you're doing it because you like it. And I had to sort of draw myself back. What am I doing this for? Because I came up with so many ideas, and if you let your creativity overrun you, it's your creativity. You own it. Without it, without you, it wouldn't exist. You have to claim ownership over it, or else it'll it'll run you into the ground. There's a reason why a lot of artists and a lot of painters or song songwriters, musicians, drug addicts, alcoholics, <laughs> like <laughs> it's sad, but it's so and it, true. And it's it's one of those things. Like if if you don't put a leash on it, it, it can run you into the ground. And one, another product of that conversation from last week was this uh, concept of your creativity, just like life being cyclical, like a garden. Gardens aren't fertile every every time of the year. You know, they have their seasons of production of growth and then they have their seasons of recycling they have their seasons in the winter where you can't necessarily grow any crops or whatever personally i'm more productive in the winter screw the heat but at the same time it's it doesn't make it any the garden not being productive right now it's soil not being fertile doesn't make it any less of a garden it's still a garden 
It's just in the process of recycling itself. Just like life, just like all organic things around us, we our creativity is no different. We're not going to be 100% all the time. It's just a matter of when you're not creative, when you're not running things the way that you think you should, reel yourself back a little bit and let yourself recycle. Let yourself fuel back up again. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you have this issue because I agree with you and I think that it's difficult sometimes to allow that creativity to reflow again. But I feel like we have this this thing kind of built into us where if we're not creating, maybe it's just an American thing and I feel like it is. If you're not creating or if you're not working, then are you really creating? You know, so we have this thing where it's like art can be accessed and almost instantaneously, regardless of the platform, regardless of the medium, regardless of the person or gender or race. And I think that's a little stressful to me, at least. I don't know how you feel about it. I'm constantly on this like hamster wheel of perpetual motion. And you saying that it feels relieving, but it almost sounds lazy to me, even though it's not. Because I agree with you. I think that creativity should take a break. Creativity needs to wind down because it is essentially uh, a manifestation of your emotions. And when you manifest so many emotions, i.e. crying, when you get angry, when you get confused, upset, or whatever it is, it, you tend to notice that you're low energy after. So why aren't we treating it the same? That, that, that just sets something off in my head, too. Because, again, a conversation that I had, uh, I was told about these monks i believe it was in taiwan they might have been tibetan monks or something like that they live on this monastery they live on this this piece of land and they went to the beach and they they created something like something akin to a a sandcastle like a beautiful opulent sandcastle wonderful beautiful work of art and then they walked over and destroyed the whole thing right after collected the whole thing in jars put the jars up on a shelf and that was it I think that speaks volumes about our creative process here in the West as opposed to in the East or any other part of the world is that we need to be remembered for what we do. This piece of art needs to have my name on it. Otherwise, I'm going to sue you for trying to sell it. <laughs> this is a trademark. This belongs yeah. to me. Yeah. And that, that'll ruin the creative process. That'll stump you entirely because creativity and producing and making things is not just about the end goal. It's not just about how much am I going to get paid. It's not just about, oh, am I going to be even hotter to that girl in the class because I made this cool thing. Like, everybody, look at me. Cool. Hey, I'm nice. I'm, I do things. I'm creative. I'm an artist. <laughs> Stop trying to be seen or perceived as an artist and be an artist. Create things. Paint something. Have a conversation with someone. Art comes in all different forms. You have people who do things like sculpture. You have people who make bottles for a living. Who am I to say what is art and what isn't art? Just do it. It doesn't matter what it is. If you get burnt out, let yourself have this season of recycling and rekindling that flame. However, don't be so hard on yourself. That's another thing that, again, I think it's a Western value is you need to be remembered for your work. You need to get paid. You need to get paid. If you're not getting paid, it's like a complete waste of your time. And then you have people who are making beautiful works of art and then being like, yeah, take the whole thing down, destroy it. Do you have a process of like dewinding or like reimbursing your creativity? When it comes to creativity, if for someone like myself, I'm a very visual person. I'm a very, and I can think in terms like I have a movie going on in my head all the time. I just wish I could draw, you know, maybe, or paint, maybe <laughs> it'll be a little there. bit better. <laughs> I was actually talking about that to someone, and uh, I just, that's funny. That's if I had to pinpoint one statement, I say more than anything with this. It's probably I once had a conversation, or I once said, but it was <laughs> I had a talk with someone, and that's where I brought that up. This person was they 
were an excellent artist. They knew how to draw, they knew how to paint, and just all visual forms of art that, to be quite frank, I'm garbage at. And this is my art form, speaking. You know, when I can, my esoteric viewpoints on things, like writing, those are my art forms. But I have this visual way of, I can sit here and I can close my eyes and I can think and I can visualize a painting, but when it comes to actually writing it out or painting it, Okay, yeah. Give a monkey with a chainsaw the paintbrush and he'll do a better <laughs> he'll do a way better job than I ever oh, will. Man. It's almost like it's almost a gift and a curse because I have to take this image and put it into words and I have the ability to do that, but at the same time it'd be fantastic to just be able to paint it. Just paint the damn picture. Paint it. Draw out the picture instead of sitting here like, "Okay, well let me describe what it like what's actually going on with words." It's a challenge all in itself, but Back to your original question, but that's kind of the process that I follow. But when it comes to rekindling that flame and trying to get it built back up again, funny enough, I think it running, running physical activity. When I'm doing something like a training jujitsu or going on a run or anything like that, especially when I'm running, because running is, I had a point in time where I was trying to set goals with running and trying to constantly beat myself and, you know, things that are good. It's competitive nature, but at the same time, I also realized that if I don't run and if I don't enjoy it, again, kind of the same creative principle. If you're not enjoying it, why are you doing it? So I broke down my runs and I said, you know what? I'm not going to, I'm not going to time myself. I want to, I want to keep track of the distance and stuff just to, oh, cool. This many miles this month or whatever. But I want to, I want this time to be regenerative. I don't want it to be a drag. I don't want to not look forward to it. I'm like, oh, I got to run later. If you come across anything like that in life that you're doing and you have this uh, standpoint or that's the first thing you hear in your head or the involuntary noise that comes out of your mouth when you do things like that, readjust your perspective a little bit because you're screwing something up somewhere. Running allows me to visualize and allows me to think. And because I don't know if it's the motion, I think it might just be this carnal thing. I talked about that with Paul too. I think it was just this this carnal, visceral side of my like my biology saying – you're in the process of doing something difficult. You're in the process of putting your body through pain and stress through this run, and you're, you you want to stop, but you're not. You're disciplined, so you keep going. I can almost take those same principles that I'm getting out of running and apply that to my creativity. So it allows me to regenerate, regain that discipline back, be, get, be like served a reminder of why I'm doing the things that I'm doing and why I'm good at the things that I'm doing. Get home and then apply that to my creative process, to writing to planning something like this out or whatever you just that that time whatever activity it is whatever it is that you need to do do it because if you don't your work is going to suffer the same way a lot of mine has in the past and i agree with you on that um i like i like the fact that your creative regenerative process is different from mine i mean obviously a given but for me it's actually a little bit less less not saying that it's stress on you like you're you're disciplining yourself and mm-hmm. sometimes people view discipline heart discipline as a form of stress because it causes stress personally if i were to have a creative stump i would walk around at night or in my neighborhood just because it's super quiet no headphones nothing and i just walk and think to myself uh the reason i do that is because to me walking around at night the way i see the nighttime walking around no people silent as fuck is that it's a physical representation of my mind. I'm essentially walking within my own mind. And that's how I tend to view it. So my, I, essentially, I trick my brain into allowing to get comfortable in a space that is technically not as comfortable as it should be. 
but it allows thoughts to flow in. Uh, and I've realized that um, as of like two weeks ago when I was taking a walk outside and for some reason at first I was paranoid because I heard noises and I tend to get paranoid at night for some reason. But after I got over the, that paranoia, I felt a sense of calmness. And I know I feel calm and safe in a place when I s- sit there or stand there for like two or three minutes, everything's silent and I get goosebumps. That's generally my telltale sign for when I feel like really creative or when I get into what people call a flow state, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it didn't. It took me a while to really make that my home. Originally, I used to escape it through like smoking weed or something, maybe talking to somebody. But I noticed over time that talking to people kind of, it was nice, but it felt draining. Because I think you said this before, why am I going to talk about a project or something if it's not done yet? And I kind of took that to heart because it made a lot of sense. It's like, if you I gen- if you generally catch yourself talking about a project that you haven't finished it, let alone started, you find less and less of a will to finish it, let alone find ways to even accomplish it. So when I started talking less about my things and I started keeping more of my creative things inside, I noticed that it would fester, but in a good way. People usually think that when things fester, it's bad. It actually allowed itself to develop fully. It allowed me to think about it, say, okay, well, you know, I have to get X, Y, and Z in order for A, B, and C to work. Who do I have to contact? What do I have to do? Is this even optional? And then it gives me time to let it sit in my head and then surf the internet and see if it's been created. And if it has, maybe tweak it a bit. Um, but generally, my process is to walk around at night and really surround myself with... And it's it's funny because I'm, I'm going to be honest. My fear is the fear of the dark, more, more or less the fear of the unknown. Because if you don't know what's out there, how could you know what to expect? And for me to r- surround myself with something that I'm afraid of, it sounds funny. I was thinking about this as you were saying. Stress is one of my motivators for creating. Um, and that slight stress walking around <laughs> with the, some form of paranoia really gets the brain going, at least for me. Um, I don't know about you. Oh, yeah. Well, there's someone who also frequents night walks. You know, I, I turn those night walks into night runs. Like, I'll instead of walking three miles, which will take an hour, I'll run them and I'll, I'll cut the half, like the time down in half, like just to kind of, you know, <laughs> whatever. But I, that was actually something that when you said night walks, I'm huge on that, huge on nighttime. I just, not only just because there's no people around, but for whatever reason, I mean, that, that, that helps. But like yeah, when I'm definitely. outside, when I'm outside and I'm alone, especially at night, I used to walk my dogs a lot when they were in better health. Like they're, they're kind of, my dog's old now. His hips don't work that great. <laughs> so I just take these walks by myself to ease his pains a little bit. But it's, again, it's absolutely regenerative. And I, I do bring headphones with me. I there I Sometimes I do, sometimes I don't, because I, I like to put the motion of me walking into a meditation and allow that meditation to bring about creative ideas. Like even when I'm just sitting on the floor meditating, I know the whole point is to be one-pointed in your thinking and to get yourself to focus on just one thing just to discipline yourself, but I'm sitting there. My best ideas, my favorite ideas have come to me while in meditation, while sitting there gathering my thoughts together and just letting them manifest themselves. If I had to break it down in one word, manifest is probably the biggest one. When it comes to anything creative, when it comes to you just wanting to get something done with your life or even just waiting for the creative process to regenerate in you, you just have to let it manifest itself. You can't be trying to force it. You can't be trying to shove it down your own throat. You can't be... Because if you try and force anything like that, it's just going to make you, one, feel really shitty about yourself. And that's not good for anyone, regardless of how good or bad you may be at your like, in your given occupation. But that's the biggest one, is just allowing it to manifest. When you're walking, turning that meditation into emotion, 
you are, if you're afraid of the dark, you're surrounded by something that makes you uncomfortable. For me, the same exact principle. When I'm running, I'm not comfortable. When I'm running, I'm stressing myself out. It's physical stress that I'm feeling right now as opposed to mental stress. You know, it's a little bit of both, but the physical stress will sometimes ease the mental stress a little bit. and It'll make my mind a little bit more clear, just getting it out of my system. So when my mind is clear, that's when the creative process tends to start working <laughs> up again. That was yeah. weird. But that's one of the most important things, especially I've found in uh, Eastern philosophy, is making sure that your thoughts, your mind, your temple, there's a reason why these are called your temples here because <laughs> they house the, the kingdom within. But it's you have to make sure that your mind and your thoughts are pure if you expect to make anything of it, if you expect to be productive. I like your choice of word for creativity and manifestation, because technically we and this is where it's like kind of you, you stumped me right now is got me thinking about it, because generally when we think of creative work, we think of things that are non tangible. Creative works are something you can't really physically touch. It's all in your head until you bring it out. And that's actually a really good word because it's like instead of, oh, yeah, you made this, you manifested it. It holds a lot more power. It makes you feel a little bit more gratitude towards your own work. It makes you feel like, okay, well, this came out of nothing. You are essentially a creator. Well, God made you to be right if you believe in God. Well, I would absolutely agree with that. And I think, again, I just I keep drawing myself back to this this statement that Nicholas Schreck made about sound because it was one of the most among the many things that he has said in his past one of the most profound things I've ever heard him say and having the privilege to meet him over the summer about actually a month ago as of like two days ago <laughs> I went and met him the 50th anniversary of the uh, Tate LaBianca murders they had an art show about the whole event like they had stuff from Spawn Ranch and everything and a lot of Charlie's friends Nicholas Strack being one of them yeah. who wrote a book and was very publicized with the whole thing he was also involved with the Church of Satan and he married Anton LaVey's daughter and he has a very, very great spiritual lineage behind him, despite me not agreeing with everything the guy has done. <laughs> but uh, um, not everything, yeah. but as a whole, he's been a very, very big influence and a very big teacher. Just in Western occultism since the 80s, just he's been a big figure. Meeting him in person, it was one of those those people that I met, and it was just an instant. This person is this is a very powerful person that's standing in front of me, not powerful in that oh if you if we were to fight this guy would kill me because i've met those two and a lot of times they don't look like that yeah like, <laughs> go sleepers, do some go, yeah. do, go do some rolling at a your local gracie barra gym <laughs> and you'll you'll find out pretty quick who's oh, terrifying yeah. and who isn't the guy with the glasses stay away from him <laughs> um you'll find nerds everywhere but it was one of the people when i met nicholas and i shook his hand and i got to speak with him briefly and i got, I got a picture with him didn't turn out very great because you know i was under a lot of stress at the time but it was just one of those moments where I stu- I had to step outside after I had this brief interaction with him. And I stepped outside and I was just, that was insane. That was wild. Like one of the people that I've, I've looked up to in terms of, you know, being like spirituality and a lot of the teachings that he's done. He's like one of the first ones I ever came across. And I've been reading his stuff for a very long time. So it was just a very, can't believe that just happened. Almost a little fanboyish, but at the same time, he made a post on Instagram that I actually, uh, that's what I was trying to bring up for a second but he wrote himself about the experience like it's, it was hard to believe that it's been almost a month now he also explained to me that this is the first time he had even been in the united states and like this is the first time he'd been here in like six years i think that's a while it had been a little while actually no 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 he had only been to the united states in the past 20 years three times the last time he came was when manson died so that was only a couple years ago but he had only been in the united states three times and 
two decades and he had hit said himself like yeah i don't plan on coming back <laughs> like because <laughs> he just he for a multitude of reasons he just doesn't care for this place but at the same time he also expressed gratitude for having been able to be here and he explained the situation as being a very magical event like all these creative powerful people these powerful souls came together and were able to the stars aligned and everybody was able to meet up in one place I think it was a it's a wonderful way of viewing the world, and I can take that own perspective and say when I met him, that was two other two powerful souls coming together and really just making that connection, and I'll stick with me for the rest of my life. Being able to like the stars aligned and someone who never who lives in Germany who never comes out here, I was able to put a face to in person, and that alone, you want to talk about creative regeneration? That was enough. Like that after gave, I, after that I, gave I met him, creativeness a stiffy, huh? <laughs> after oh man, after I let me tell you, after I met him, there's something about Los oh, Angeles too, and uh, being a visual person and seeing the, the skylines and all the history related with the place, sort of like New York. Like I have, I take a very special like that New York trip is one of the most significant ten days periods of my life that I I've would ever agree. had. Yeah. Why would you agree? Before I get into it a little bit, because um, just talking about creativity and control and all this stuff, a lot of this stuff started there too. Uh, for me, the reason it's the most memorable, aside from that, it felt like, and it sounds cheesy, it, it felt like that, like those 10 days, I felt like Hercules, those, those, those trials, right? I felt like I was going through a trial. I was going through my own battles within my own head. It was a lot of like questioning, uh, identity, uh, creativity wise, uh, people around me and really trying to understand how I felt essentially. Uh, and being in a spot where one you don't know anybody two you're an outsider and then three creativity flows in the city it breathes day and night 24 7 it was a little different it definitely put me out of my in out in it made me feel a little uncomfortable out of my comfort zone but aside from that it helped me realize a lot of things about myself it really really did it pushed the envelope on what i found was okay and what i found was not okay and as a person, I struggled with that a lot. And what I mean by that, I mean in the sense of like what, like we were talking about earlier, what we like, what our goals are, and what are what we're lying to ourselves with. Uh, there's a lot of things that people don't realize, and that trip made me realize, is people lie to themselves all the fucking time. It doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter who it is. It doesn't matter the, the subject or even job that it is. You're going to lie to yourself because it makes you feel good. And it's not because like lying to yourself is the point of making you feel good. It's because of that thing that you have makes you feel good. And that trip made me realize that it made me realize that with friends, relationships, creativity, food, and even goals, you know, my personal goals were shooken up in New York, being in a spot surrounded by people who produce nothing but produced work like the convention, the journalism convention where you met various people. I met this one guy who ran a, sports podcast for two years now he posted recently on facebook he survived a, a diagnosis that should have killed him three years ago and that really made me realize like how lucky i am how lucky i am to have you know this this platform how lucky i was to even go to new york in the first place and it wasn't until the 10th day the final day when we were heading out when on the way back the driver called me a journalist that i had never nobody ever in my life has ever called me that and it wasn't 
in a way where I, I set it up and I was like, oh, you know, I'm going to make this guy call me a journalist because I'm a I journalist. I was there, I remember. You know, uh, I was simply having a conversation with this guy. We were talking about motherfucking horses, bro. Out of the most <laughs> oh, mundane yeah, things. Yeah. You know, right? You know, we're talking about horses in the Bronx. Not just anywhere, in the Bronx, in the bro. Bronx. I mean, no, no, no. Wrong. That's wrong. Brooklyn. 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 Brooklyn horses yeah. in Brooklyn. That's where we were. Uh, And that, that threw me off. And I was genuinely curious. And I feel that for somebody else to re- to reciprocate and receive my energy and say, oh, this person is X, Y, and Z. The, he gives off the vibe of that that thing. And usually when you talk about vibe, it's like vibrations or whatever. questions and stuff like that. That's why he brought that up. Yeah, and he brought it up. And, you know, when he told me that, that kind of solidified what I was looking for. The answers I felt uh, that I had in front of me, but I didn't really pay attention. It almost felt like it, it felt like a sign that somebody was reaffirming me what I wanted to do and what I was interested in because I've been like kind of pushing it to the side. You know, I didn't really allow myself to really accept that I, that that identity of myself. I really fought it for the longest. And, you know, finally hearing that, I kind of just took a deep breath. I looked at him. I said, thank you. Nobody's ever told me that before. And on the way back on the plane, I was like the happiest camper. You know, that kind of really tied the ribbon on the box. And the way I view my 10 days, regardless if it was negative or positive, I don't think experiences are are either i think experiences are neutral and it's how you perceive it it's essentially how you perceive it because you can have let's say you had those 10 days or we had the same 10 days and let's say that they were polar opposites i mean i assume they're the same because we both had really good experiences you yeah sometimes let's say that we did the same exact thing literally down to the bone the same exact fucking thing and you said oh that was fucking terrible and i said that was good and it's like well where where did the where did the discrepancy go wrong where did where did we falter in the same ideas where did we falter in doing the same things and i think that kind of bringing that back around to my 10 days feeling like hercules i feel like i was really pushed i was really pushed mentally there's a lot of things that i was battling inside my own head that i kind of found a way to like control and after those 10 days it was a sense of release i didn't like it was a sense of release because like I was able to find out why the why essentially the why of my suffering, regardless if it was on my own doing or through external means. I found out the why, you know, and most people don't find it. Most people see it and they turn around and they decide to keep doing what they keep doing. But after those 10 days and after hearing that, that's what I felt like. It felt I felt like I had finally survived. I'd gone through my trials. I've gone. Th- I've done. I've done what I needed to do. And I was on my way back to a place I was familiar with, back to California, you know. That, you kind of tied it up, I think, very well there in the end. That 10-day trip and really all sorts of pilgrimages, I viewed this trip as a pilgrimage. And it was one of those things that, again, I had a lot of my own sufferings and I had a lot more. I was having a bit of an identity crisis, too, that really kicked off around the time where a good friend of mine, actually Christian, when he lived here, he took off and went on to the military. And it was really this point in time where I was now 100% my myself. Like I was only here by myself. I didn't really have any friends by that time. Like when that came around, of course you and a few other people here came in like that fell into the equation too. That New York trip was very responsible for that. Cause I was basically going on a trip with literally only six of us. But I was going on a trip, five of us. And we were, I was, the odd man out I was the only one that really didn't know anybody that well and in fact wasn't liked by a few people too and I was totally okay with that and I understood the territory that I was going in 
and not only my confident of you know, my gift of the gab, you know, I can figure <laughs> things out, but it was one of these experiences where if you want to talk about putting my, putting me out of my comfort zone, going across the country for a, the longest period of time I've ever been out of the state with people that I don't know very well, let's do it because I didn't have anything else to lose at that point. I didn't have any, I was, I had just started doing this actually, you know, this was something, there was only two episodes at the time. And I knew it was a good idea. Creatively, I was doing okay. But there were a lot of things in my personal life that were holding that back. And a lot of those being issues with loneliness. Again, the whole identity crisis. Because as an artist, I'm sure you've experienced something like this too. We oftentimes rely a lot on suffering. And we rely a lot on frustration and anger. And a lot of quote-unquote negative emotions or thought patterns or things like that to really motivate us and to get us to do things instead of obtaining the discipline to just do our work in the first place we rely on things that actually hold us back not just as artists but as human beings and that's one of the things that I realized was that one of the nights when we all went out and we were walking around Times Square as a massive group of us and I was at a point, it was about halfway through the trip. We had been having a good time, and it had been fantastic up to that point. But I was hit smack in the face with the realization that none of this matters. None of the creative work that I'll I'll ever do or have done or what I'm doing now will matter unless I can, A, and this is just one of the realizations of kind of like what I was talking to you earlier about. There are periods of time where you'll be hit with a realization like, what is the one thing I can do with myself and die happy with? Is it a podcast I want to do? Is it a speech I want to write? Is it a book I want to write? Is it a painting? What is one thing I can leave behind and be totally okay okay with going off in the afterlife? It is not anything creative for me. It's not a statue. It's not a sculpture. It's not a painting. It's not a book. It's not a podcast. I, at the end of the day, the one thing that I want, or the two, I'll say two things. The two things that I want out of this life is to be a good father and a good husband. That's it. If I can do those two things, nothing else will matter. Everything else comes from a byproduct of that. Why do I want to have, be a successful artist? Why do I want to, I want to be healthy? Why do I want to be the greatest writer or whatever? I can break down that thought as much as possible, but at the end of the day, I want to be all those things and I want to be as good as possible because I want to be a good husband and I want to be a good father. That's it. And that was one of those things that I realized there. And it took a little bit more processing for me to really get the wraps on it. But once I got hit with this, this overwhelming sense of wanting to run, like it, I was jittery. What do you mean, like run, like run away? Or run away. Run? I had I got hit with a fight or flight instinct when we were at a nightclub. Damn. Oh, the the, the time you that was we when all went I, in, you walked that was, out. That was when I left, and it was the most illuminating. I'll say illuminating. I'll explain that in a second. But it was the most illuminating experience. It was the most illuminating night of my entire life. It was one of those things where I was there. I was trying to get myself to do what everybody else was doing i was trying to dance with everyone i was trying to acclimate to my environment which i know i'm good at doing i know i can play it off anywhere yeah (laughs) but i was there i tried i walked off and i was hit with just this this overwhelming wave of emotion like it was heartbreak sadness confusion frustration anger all at one time some of the most severe emotions i've ever felt when i walked off that dance floor and I figured it out why later, but it was one of those things where I walked straight over to the bar, sat down, paid it twelve dollars, twelve dollars for a shot of for a shot of gin, I think it was, but twelve dollars <laughs> for a shot of gin, tossed it down the hatch, and I just I walked. That was when I walked over to you and everybody else. I said, I'll, I'm, "I'll I'll see you later," 
because I just I couldn't stay there and I just I walked downstairs turned the corner and was staring at the the majesty of Times Square around me and I said I'm just gonna I just looked to my left and started walking and what better place than to do it in New York right yeah yeah in New York and it was one of those things where it was an entirely new environment we're in Gotham City and it was just me walking around <laughs> staring Sorry, it's so it true, was <laughs> it, it was just looking at the opulence of the buildings around me and just the history and just being enveloped in an atmosphere that I have never been in and likely will never experience the same way ever again it was like being in an entirely different universe it felt almost like a dream it Those was 10 days were in long enough to solidify our thoughts and what we did and to reaffirm us that we actually went but it all feels very hazy. Yeah. Like, there are music compilations like just jazz, like Manhattan jazz or whatever. Just simple little things that will remind me of that point in time where I'll just I'll listen and I'll look at the visuals because oftentimes there's a painting aqu- like accompanying it. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. And I'll just sit there and stare at that painting and I'm hit with this overwhelming wave of emotion. Just those 10 days were so pivotal and so vital. And especially if I look at my life now as opposed to back then. I, I'm well on my way to achieving the dream that I've always wanted. Always wanted. That's the one thing that no matter what I do with myself, no matter what creative outlet I have, no matter how good I am at it, it means absolutely nothing to me if I can't meet those two requirements. So my question to you, what part of you died in New York and what part of you stayed alive? And, came, and what part of you survived and came back? What I was hit with and what I realized more than anything was that I was not motivated the same way I was not being pushed I was not living by the same principles that used to come so naturally to me before those being anger those being frustration those things being sadness being a, a deep wallowing depression that's been following me around and hanging over me hanging over my head like a cloud that just won't get the fuck away from me those things have been hanging over my head for a very long time and that realization is what caused me to start reevaluating those things I felt like I wasn't myself. Like I like what you were saying. You were being conflicted with all these different things. And if you're conflicted in all these different ways, you're going to lose yourself in the mess if you don't know who you are. And that's what do I really want? What am I really striving for? What do I really want to do with myself? Why am I here? What's my why? Like why am I doing everything that I'm doing? For me, it comes down to those two things. And those two things I will not achieve and I will not become if I'm still motivated by things like anger, if I'm still motivated, motivated by frustration, just, again, depression, allowing anxiety, allowing mental illness to run my life and to dictate who I am and where I go and what I do and why I do the things that I do, not a good way to go about living. Mm-hmm. That was the part of me that died. I wouldn't say anything died. I think it's a continual process of me coming into being, the Egyptians said it the best, with Kefir. I think that's a beautiful concept, and it's something that I find myself relying a lot on and I coming back to, is we don't become better. There's one of the, you'll get lost in this, oh, I, one day I want to be this. One day I want to be that. In order to become that thing, you've got to start, if you want to be Joe Rogan, you got to do the things <laughs> Joe Rogan does. If you want to be... DMT. <laughs> DMT, okay. Yeah. Smoke a lot of weed. Yeah. Get super high. <laughs> but oh, man. like I was saying, yeah. I'm not talking about him, <laughs> yeah. but if you want to, like, it's, if anybody who has a podcast is like, okay, obviously the Joe Rogan experience is a big one. If I want to have a podcast like the Joe Rogan experience, I have to discipline myself the way Joe Rogan does. I have to get the, I have to be surrounded by a team that I trust implicitly. I have to do the things that successful people do in order to be a successful person myself. And I don't see the way to break down that process and put it into an esoteric way of phrasing it would be kefir to come into being every single day. I need to live my life and do the things that 
a good husband would do, a good father would do, so that every single day I can say when I go to bed that I am coming more into being. I want to be more like that thing, so I'm doing the things that will make me be more like that thing. A continual process of evolution. It's cyclical, just like life is, like everything is. All organic beings follow the same cycle. Your creative process has to too. Your ego has to too. You have to align yourself in that way if you want to become that thing. You know what I mean? That's actually like, it's actually reaffirming to hear. It's reaffirming to hear somebody else say that to themselves, whether it, whatever that position or identity may be. Uh, I have a, for the longest, and I had said this off the record, off the mics, but you were asking me what I wanted to do. Like you seemed, you're, you're the one of, one of the very few people who actually confronted me and acknowledged the fact that I'm conflicted. For the most part, I genuinely walk into here and people are like, oh yeah, Manny's doing this or Manny does that or Manny does this. You ain't got it together, bruh. Yeah, I don't. And it's like, <laughs> yo, <laughs> I may be a year. I'm, well, I'm 22. However old those people may be. I might be older, younger than them. But I don't have my things together. And it's funny because I, what I tell myself is if I'm going to be who I am or the identity that I see myself as, I'm going to be the person who is responsible. My, what, I, what I think of myself is as I'm an artist. I like to think I'm an artist. Yeah, the way I talk to people is the way I talk as as I, as I as if I was presenting myself as an artist. When I wake up and when I go to sleep, well, when I think about projects, uh, when I look at something, I don't look at it at a typical way. Oh, wow, that's cool. To me, I internalize it a little bit more and I tap into my emotions. I tap into that well that most people tend to put aside and leave it reserved, you know. And hearing you talk about it, it's reaffirming. And it's nice because I'm not the o- I'm glad I'm not the only one who want who's aiming to be a father too. Uh, that's one of my things too. Is I want to be a father as well, and most people look at me weird. So it's um thank you for saying this publicly, but it's like, and I feel like we could agree on this. It's like coming from a household, personally, where my father wasn't as there was wasn't as present as I would like him to be, and you know in doing so my field what I like what I find enjoyable has changed and varied because of that. I want to eliminate that. You know uh, I saw somebody post on Twitter or something like that, they said, oh, um, change the cycle of in, in which your family grows children by starting with yourself. So, yeah, you may not have kids now. You may have kids in the future, but you're going to remember how you grew up. And that's most important because how you grew up is not how your children are going to grow up. It's how your children, when, when you have kids, they'll grow up the way you want them to grow up. You're going to fix everything that you couldn't do or the things that they couldn't do for you when you were a kid. Right. So small things would be like being there, being there more, being involved in what they want to do, pushing them on the things that they want to do. And, you know, all those things stem from the person themselves. And I assume that you have the like a similar take on it. Right. And how do you how does someone go about becoming if, if you want to be a good father, you want to be a good parent. Parents do things like be there for their children. They do things like comfort them when they need to support them where they need to. If you want to practice, be those things to the people around you. Be those things to the friends that you have. Be those things to your partner. Be those things to your family. That's pretty good practice, and it's a pretty good way about going about living those things. But most importantly, be those things to yourself because you need to cultivate that same environment. If you treat yourself horribly and you try and treat the ones around you with reverence and with uh, kind and compassion, you want to be that person to them, but you're not that person to yourself, you're going to come across as fake, and you'll likely get called out on it. You know, you're, It's going to be very, uh, very clear, and that, that might be its own mental health issue and everything (laughs) but at the same time this kind of circles back around like you said at the end of the day you see yourself as an artist 
at the end is like kind of how I open this up and just completely transition topics. But with archetypes, yeah. being an artist is an archetype. What do artists do? If you want to be an artist, do the things artists do. And if you lose inspiration, draw yourself back to that place where, okay, I want to be an artist. I need a reminder. What do artists do? And then plan things out accordingly. For me, aside from being a dad, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yet, I want to be, yet. not yet, <laughs> but my supreme goal, the Atman or Brahman that I'm chasing after mm-hmm. is like what, what I really am, what Im- inspires me in the life that I want to live and how I want to be perceived. And more importantly, how do I want to perceive myself? I want to be the philosopher, the wandering philosopher, the, the person that just that can sit at the back of the room and analyze and watch and can watch and be very acutely aware of the people around them and how they interact with each other and the way that they say things and pick up on the things that they do. But at the same time, I, I need to be able to take that same awareness and apply it to myself. I need to be able to be calm when I need to be. I need to be able to take an esoteric perspective on things to be realistic. But I also like the idea of being the guy on the outside, being the guy in the back observing, the silent observer who at the drop of a hat can raise his voice and everyone <laughs> listens. Yeah. It's one of those things where if you put yourself in that position, you can not, I wouldn't say would get power over people because that's not my aim or my goal, but it's a wonderful way to refocus yourself. If you really, if you're losing your way, if you're losing your path, just what do you want to be? Who do you want to be remembered as? What do you rem- want to be remembered for doing? It's a, it's a wonderful way to get yourself back on track. And I feel like we, we we tend not to think about that at all. How we want to be remembered, or sometimes we get lost in it. We say we want to. We say we but want we, to. But our yeah. actions prove differently, just yeah. like many others. Because you could be like, oh well, what are you doing? Oh, you know, just at home smoking. Everyone loves people. It's sort of the same thing. Like there are a lot of things people say that they value, but they don't really do them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, everybody love. Everybody's a people person. Everyone loves people. <laughs> but do your actions show it? Yeah. No, they don't. Yeah. You, do you donate? You're not just money, but your time. Do you help those out in need? Are you the first one there to help someone for moving day or whatever? Because that comes down to those little actions. Those little actions ultimately. Like I read that someone was a quote. Someone said, "Like you, people don't choose to be who they are. They choose their habits, and their habits make them. So the things that you make a habit of doing are like the things. That. That's who you wind up being. You can believe whatever you want." But if you aren't putting it into action, it's such it's such a basic principle, but it's so hard to put into practice. It's one of those things that, again, take a philosophical perspective, detach yourself from the situation, and then act the way that you would wish for someone like yourself to act. Do the things that a philosopher would do there. Do the things that a humanitarian or that a misanthrope would do there. Detach yourself and your ego from the situation yeah. and then do something about it and then act. And I... It, that's a little difficult like it's easier for you because like you practice it on a daily basis i try <laughs> i mean it, it, cl- it clearly shows it clearly shows <laughs> uh but it, it's like from coming from somebody who doesn't and i mean i feel like most some people might share the similar experience it becomes a little like daunting it, it, it gets scary thinking about yourself in the third perspective because you're like wow this is who i really am am i re- am i ready am i ready to face who i am you know what i mean it's kind of like it's the mental it's the mental barrier it's the mental version of looking at yourself in the mirror while on acid right they say don't do it for people who have i haven't done it this is what i've heard is that you don't look at yourself in the mirror while you're taking acid because you're looking into your soul and that's a topical question because it's it's really up to the person whether or not they are ready to look into their soul so let's take out acid out of the equation and let's leave it more mental right are you ready to question who you are 
and what there's a there's a thing that they teach us it's it's okay to question question hierarchy or authority but we don't think about questioning ourselves which is the highest authority because when it comes back to it like you're saying you have to prove that to yourself first have you proven it to yourself and it's kind of bringing it a little bit back again to what you said about like if you're not applying that to yourself are you really uh, are you really standing by what you say and i tend to have a little issues with that uh, a little a little issue with that is that not you saying it or the statement itself is me practicing it because I'm the type of person there's different types of lovers in platonic and romantic uh, uh, I'm a little selfless yeah a little selfless sorry I had to think I was like is that right um, and in the sense that ideally it sounds ideal which is just an idea <laughs> but it doesn't really work because you're not really taking care of yourself you put everybody's needs in front of you. Uh, your health goes down, like you said. And ultimately, you tend to forget. You forget who you are. You end up you end up consuming and becoming the identity of the people around you. And I've that happened to me once before my uh, before my ego death when I first took shrooms. I was a Frankenstein of personalities. I was a Frankenstein of the people around me. And people don't think about that. They're like, oh well, you know, oh I I noticed that you act like X Y and Z. Oh, it's because I hang around them. All right. Well, how much of them are you taking? You know? And to think about that and to say that you're a Frankenstein of, of an identity and personalities that you've met, it's really scary. And it reaffirms that your identity and your existence doesn't matter. But if you're able to talk about it and fully express and dive into why you are this person, reasons being because you never had an environment where you could develop. Like are we talking about earlier about parenting, being interested in what, th- what they are. That ultimately shapes what you become. That ultimately shapes what you're interested in. If you ask me, what is something interesting about me, right? The first thing that always comes to mind, I played in, mu- I did music for seven years on, on my trombone. Four years of jazz, seven years of classical, four years of marching, right? That's who I am. Music is my identity. But when the identity isn't reaffirmed, you become, you're like, okay, well, I like this part about music. I like this part about gaming. I like this part about being a nerd, comic books. Oh, I like philosophy. I like political science. Then you start finding people who represent that physically. They're manifested. People who have the identity. And you start to carve little chunks off of them. You're like, okay, well, I like this. I like that. And I like that. But you never really digest it. You just kind of hold this bowl and you're like, hey, guys, look at me. This is a manual and there's a tag on it and there's a m- scoops of everybody that I've liked, right? And that, I think that's dangerous. I think that's really dangerous. Because you have to. You have to face the beast. I think it's absolutely dangerous when it comes down to you defining yourself by things around you. You know, I, we're obviously, we're surrounded by people and you become you know, the word who tribe. You are, yeah, yeah you, you become who you hang around with. And you're surrounded constantly with your tribe and you're surrounded by things that you're interested in. And, of course, you're going to pull inspiration from there. But if you want to find out who you really are, walk through your room, get rid of a bunch of stuff. And just just sit there like is those things that you have these objects, these items that you have, these things aren't you. A lot of times, like if you want to talk about something like music, I use music. I'm not a musician myself. You know, I have some talents with it, uh, writing and a little bit of bass guitar. You're a and musician, stuff here and bro. There. A little bit. So I've got I've got my own things going with that. But at the same time, I use music as a vessel for my own creativity. When I'm walking around listening to a song or an album or whatever, what have you, from any given number of bands, from a black metal band to a synth band in the 80s, wham. (laughs) Uh, Like, it'll be that spectrum 
and anything in between, I'm listening to it and I'm getting my own thing out of it. I'm experiencing something with it. I'm using this to create an image in my head and that image in my head is what I really like. That's what I do with it. What do you do with the things that you're interested in? What do you do? What do they make you feel? What do you create with them? What do, do they inspire you? Do they motivate you? The things themselves are not you. What they cause you to do, that's a lot more important. I like or what that. influences or what impressions they leave on you, those are way that's way more important than the things themselves. If someone were to ask me the same question, what do you like what's one interesting thing about you? I would say my perspective. And that's my perspective is all I have control over. I don't have control over anything in my life. I don't have control over if I die tomorrow. I could get <laughs> diagnosed with something in a year from now. I could die on the way out of here. The people around me can all die in a catastrophic, <laughs> fiery death, and I could be the only one left. I have so little control over any of those things, but one thing I do have control over is my perspective. And that's it. That's it. That's where it ends for me, my perspective. Anything else you want from me, you get to figure that out yourself. You can look at me. You can come up with your own opinion of me, whether it's positive or negative. That's entirely up to you. My perspective will remain the same, and hopefully it'll hopefully it'll remain as interesting to me as it is to everybody <laughs> else but you know trust me it, your perspective is very interesting appreciate it thank you <laughs> yours as well that's one of those thank things you. like just that kindred spirit thing you know you just understand some people and it, yeah. you just click with some people and that's one thing i've been able to use this platform for cuz this this podcast started out as a project i wanted it to be a resource i wanted it to be the thing that someone could go to that i wish i had to hear words from people who don't have a platform most of the time, even though I've interviewed some people with pretty substantial followings, to a general audience, they're unknown. I want this to be a platform for people like me who are interested in religious, philosophical, and spiritual studies. They could come and use this as a platform, and they could branch themselves off and look at whatever they want, judging from the conversations. If it's not that, then what is it? It's the same thing I would ask myself if I was having a creative crisis. If this isn't that resource, if this isn't just all about the conversation and allowing myself to be a vessel for the conversation, allowing the conversation to manifest itself, I can leave my ego out of it. I can leave myself out of it. What's the product then and there? That's a wonderful perspective, the one that's been helping me the most in terms of just keeping that fire and that, again, that manifestation just to keep coming and to keep coming and to keep coming is divorce yourself from the situation, take your ego out, and approach it there. Well, it's one of the things I like about Creative's Corner is just this little segment that we do, we can just lay things out on the table. You know, we, we spend a lot of time planning things out and trying to make sure things go our way. And if they don't, we seem to lose our way sometimes. Sometimes just getting together and just talking is the best form of therapy. It doesn't need to be in some shrink's office. You don't need to pay $400 <laughs> for it. To do it for free and post it online. I won't. I'm cheap. <laughs> <laughs> but this is one of those things. Remember the garden. The garden. We have our seasons. Life has its seasons. Sometimes we're creative. Sometimes we're not. Sometimes we have an idea that will change our life. And sometimes we lose that in the midst of trying to create that idea. It's, at the end of the day, you're still that garden. That creative process is still there. It doesn't change whether or not you're actually doing something with it. If you need to let it regenerate, let yourself regenerate. And that's what I think this conversation was for me is just a regeneration. The same one with Christian. Every conversation is a bit of regeneration, but can't feel like work. Anyways, I appreciate you coming on, man. It was a wonderful time. I always have a good time speaking with you about these things. Again, I just think we get each other. It's nice. Yeah, it's nice because like we have some disagreements on how we get there. But ultimately, we generally have some similar goals. And I, th and I, I love discourse. I'm the type of person that creates discourse. But anyways, thank you for having me. I always enjoy coming on to your podcast. Anybody listening, if you guys would like to catch me on Instagram, 
My IG name is N-I-R-V-A-R-I-Z-E, Need Faris. I also do photography, and I had, like I said earlier, I do my own podcast. Be on the lookout for that. And more content coming up from Austin. He's doing a fabulous job. Uh, I appreciate it. Let's do Broke Boys, my dude. Come on. We've got yeah, ideas. We, we will. Got we will. We you will. catch this dude's <laughs> photography. You know, one last little tidbit. Photographers, absolutely appreciate you guys because I can't do it. Or I probably could. <laughs> I just don't have the patience. Same thing with painters and all that. But anyways, you can catch Beyond the Well, Beyond the Well podcast. We're on the Breezes website. It'll be on YouTube here in a couple days. And we've got a website. Spotify, finally. I actually just got the email from that that they're reviewing it right now. So it's about time. Things are moving up. Keep up to keep on the update. There are more things coming. So be on the Well Podcast on Instagram. You'll catch all the information there because uh, Twitter sucks. Hell yeah. Catch the wave or be left behind, guys. That's what I'm talking about right there. <laughs> no philosophy. What is it? It's like no philosophy too, too widespread. No idea too obscure. The esoteric. That's just what we do here. So again, thank you, Emmanuel. I appreciate it. Thank you.